All right, welcome to the Whatever Eight Podcast, episode nine. Nine eight. sounds close. No eight. Way. We're on episode eight, folks. Oh shit! Are we? Yeah, I sent you seven the other day. Yeah. Maybe we should do that again. <laughs> <laughs> we are professionals. <laughs> we are eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Episode yeah. Eight. Okay. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Whatever Podcast, episode eight, wherein we talk about such nerdy things as the best fantasy swordsman, uh, Matt's mutual mystery challenge, which at this point is still a complete mystery to me. Mostly sounds creepy. It totally does. Uh, Marvel squashes the Statham bullseye rumor, uh, plus lots of other interesting Marvel stuff. And uh, I need to ask you something about uh, Punisher. And maybe we'll hit SG-1 again, and then probably a whole bunch of other side things, because we never stay on track anyway. Exactly. So, uh, I'm Matt. Eddie. And Luna the Wonder Dog's over there behind you. Yep. Um, as usual, you can follow us on Twitter, at Whatever Show. Like us on Facebook, Whatever Show. And you can email your questions, comments, feedback, hate mail, etc. Questions at whatever.co. Yay. Yay. So, what's new this week? What's new this week? Yeah. I don't know. Did you do anything new? No. Not really. Yeah, I went to work. I did I did add some share icons to the whatever page. And although nobody in my house gave a shit at all, I refactored the code so it didn't repeat itself as much, which I was super proud of because it took me a really long time to figure out, but it turned out to be a really simple problem. Hey, I care. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> or at least you'd understand what I was talking about. My wife was just like, oh, that's good, sweetie, and patted me on the head, and then I think she gave me a treat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I don't know if that's appropriate to talk about on this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess you did have some events going on. You have a you have a kindergarten graduate now. Yeah, and I hear you've got a middle schooler. I do, I do. I went to uh, my oldest daughter's fifth grade promotion um, this evening. Um, I didn't have a fifth grade promotion, did you? It seems like we did a little tiny thing. Like, it seems like that's gotten a little bit out of control comparatively. Like, we had a little thing. There might have been a certificate or some such... But there was, like, no stages. We did it in class. Like, my the kids' great kindergarten thing today, like, we went into the cafeteria on the big stage, and there was a big performance and all that kind of stuff, um, which I don't remember for kindergarten. I know we did a little thing. Same thing fifth grade. I, we did a little thing, and it was, like, not that big a deal. Yeah. And even then, they were kind of like, well, this isn't... It's fucking fifth grade. You're, you're going to be in sixth grade next year. There's, like, you're not even halfway done yet. Shut we, up. We didn't do anything until eighth grade. In eighth grade, there was a promotion ceremony. Yeah. Eighth grade, we definitely did. Because eighth grade was like, okay, you're big kids now. Like, I, I have managed to avoid every graduation slash promotion ceremony ever because we didn't have one for fifth grade. I didn't go to the eighth grade promotion. Hmm. And I didn't graduate high school. So, <laughs> bam. Um, I, we did do eighth grade. I, d- I did not graduate either. That probably actually, for the listeners, that probably explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so now you talk about comics all day? Yeah. Nobody pays you? Huh. Yeah, it's, our parents actually live next to each other, and we just continue living in their basements. Yeah. Sometimes we trade basements just to see if we can fool anybody, but it never yeah, works. Nope. Um, no, but it just seems really weird that they do all these ceremonies and stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm proud of my kid. Yeah. Because uh, she does really well in, in school for the most part. Um, but isn't moving from fifth grade to sixth grade kind of expected? 
Yeah, like, I think you have to be kind of a really dumb kid to not get to. Sorry, dumb kids who didn't move to fifth grade. I mean, and obviously, it's not like we should talk about high school graduates and all, but... Um, hey, I can now check the some college box there on job you, applications. Okay, you got a point. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. That seems a little bit different today. Like, uh, we used to... I guess not care about those incremental steps, and now we kind of celebrate everything a little bit. Like, it's like it's like when your kid plays soccer, and even the losing team gets a trophy at the award ceremony. Yeah. See, like I, I don't don't get me wrong, because like I, I don't mind the uh, like the kindergarten celebration, and I'm sure the fifth grade celebration will be fine too. Like that's fine with me. But yeah, I do get a little, I don't know, old fashioned y you know, curmudgeon-y about the whole everybody gets a trophy thing, like. No, you, you should learn that, that sometimes you lose and, and you don't get a trophy when you lose. You know, like, you get to try harder next time and hopefully you win or something like that. Like Yeah. Sometimes you get nothing. Sometimes you get nothing, you get fired, and you still have to pay your wife alimony. Yeah. I mean... Some, sometimes you, you not only not get a trophy, but, like, some guy comes and just kicks you right in the nuts. And then... You know, yeah. And what we presented may be worst-case scenarios. <laughs> Perhaps. Although... The amount of money I've paid to other women in my life, getting kicked in the nuts is probably preferable. There are so many ways. Okay, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's 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 all the news for yeah. the, the goings-on this week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what do, we, what do we got? Okay, so here's the topic, which uh, I'm probably just going to be me talking for, like, the next five minutes. But, uh, Bryce, if you're listening, at least you'll think this is cool. Um, over on Reddit, they had a thread um, in the Ask Reddit section called uh, Which uh, Fictional Character is the Best Swordsman? And uh, one of the characters, top choice, was of course Al Lan Mandragoran, uh, Last Lord of Malkier, um, from the Wheel of Time series, which was super awesome because that's what I came there to say too, and it's totally the correct answer. And I'm not sure there's much more to talk about than that, other than if you haven't read Wheel of Time, it's only like 14 books, so you'll get through it in like... Half a decade or something, like, I'd say dive in. Go for it. Um, I mean, did Inigo Montoya or uh, Wesley from Princess Bride get at least totally. honorable mention? Um, yeah, you'll definitely recognize some of the names on there. Inigo and, and I think Wesley both got mentions um, somewhere towards the middle. I don't think you can actually give that to Inigo because Wesley did beat him. Yeah, a little so. bit. But he's clearly got the best line in the whole movie. I mean... That he repeats several times. Hey, yeah. Lou, go lay down. Which I won't because everybody knows this line and it's already going in your head. Like, we've already, I've done my work here. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we'll make it the show title. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, because I haven't really read the Wheel of Time series at all, um, it, it, I don't, I don't actually get, I'm not picking up what you're putting down, but that doesn't mean I, I don't believe yeah. you. No, I was, uh, that that was actually a fun thread to read because there's first off the books are fantastically long but even if you haven't read the books you could probably go hit that thread up and read some of the the passages that they quote in the books um, and, and kind of get a little bit of why so many people love the series like there's there's a couple in there in particular where like I just love like I just read those those you know few passages over and over again and that would have made the series worth it like I just started rereading it almost so I can just get to the I think it's like the 11th book or something where you hit this one particular passage, um, which totally for me pays off. So, anywho. Right on. Yeah. Every once in a while, Reddit's good for something. Yeah. Other than wasting your time. Yeah. 
Witch Hunts. If you're a big fan of Witch Hunts, Reddit does Witch Hunts pretty well. Not as good as 4chan. No, that's true, but sometimes with 4chan there's an actual witch involved. Reddit just kind of... go. You ever Wait, was that a dig at Emma Watson? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Love you, Emma. Internet's great. Um, what else? Okay, so... I don't know if we want to go with this next, or if we want to keep letting the the mystery saturate. Uh, let's let's put the mystery off. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Marvel, um, Jason Statham, and Bullseye. Nope, nope. The end. <laughs> in fact, Jason Statham, um, in a recent interview, basically said that uh, he has absolutely no interest in being a comic book hero, and maybe kind of took a little bit of a shot at uh, some of the more recent comic book movies, saying that his grandmother could probably play uh, one of the villains in one of those movies with all the CGI and stunt work they do. Yeah, I kind of feel that a little bit. Like, um, it seems like, well, at least from Statham, it seems like Statham is much more of a physical actor. Totally. And, and all the Statham movies, like, I like watching the Statham movies just because they're action movies for sure, but uh, they're much, um, I would say more practical effects, by far more practical effects. The the magic in the state of the movies is definitely you know things to do with the choreography and things like that, rather than the the CG budget and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, still, I mean, I get where he's coming from, but it's still kind of a dick thing to say when you got yeah you're an actor and you're probably at some point even if you're not in a comic book movie you're probably gonna end up acting with some of the guys that did. Maybe they don't appreciate that. Plus, I mean, dude, you did three Expendables movies. There's that. Um, and I don't think you can really we're, we're getting really to the point where I don't think you can, you can uh, dig too much on comic book actors and comic book movies because we are passing the, the you know like serious like this is no longer just a big splashy show you know to go watch popcorn to but it's like an actual you know show they're, like, they're events now they're, I mean, especially with the Marvel Universe there's, there's... I, okay so I'm saying this wrong I don't want to go so far as to say they're like art uh, or that I think we're going to be seeing like uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. up for an Oscar anytime soon. Um, but we're definitely crossing more into like the serious, and, and I'm thinking of Daredevil more. Um, but we're definitely crossing over into the area where um, Daredevil certainly has its share of awesome action, you know, badassness. Uh, but there's quite a lot of that show is not that. Quite a lot of that show is driven by the the whole character development and drama and stuff like that, and and just frankly good acting. I mean, most of most of the acting in Daredevil is is pretty solid, um, and of course I, I think of uh, uh, D'Onofrio as Kingpin, uh, uh, really bringing a good take on that character. I'm I'm kind of gonna one up you on this one and say that it filmmaking is an art, and whether or not you're gonna be up for an Oscar at the end of the year and just to get this out of the way, fuck the Oscars anyway, because who cares? Yeah, that's kind of a shit show. Um, but I mean, a lot of these guys actually like really, really have a passion for what they do. Joss Whedon has a passion for what he does so much to the point where, I mean, he's essentially he's not making any movies with Marvel anymore because of the fact that he felt like he was creatively not allowed to do some of the things that he wanted to do to make them better movies and. Um, you know whether that's true or not I haven't actually heard the Marvel side of things you know in terms yeah. of that but uh, I mean it is it is something that people put a lot of time into doing and, and um, especially now it's not just hey we made this comic book movie to make a comic book movie uh, the, with, with the, the cinematic universe the MCU they're they're telling a big story 
Uh, that, and I think people confuse, like, this is another thing, like, especially depending on how pretentious the person you're talking to is, like, um, a lot of people get into this idea that the, and I don't, th- I don't think Stantham's necessarily saying this, but a lot of people get in, into their head that these big budget movies, like, sort of lose the artistic factors of them, and I don't think that's true at all, I mean, that, especially when you're making a big budget movie that has to appeal to such a broad audience, like, I, I don't think that's a simple thing to do. Especially when it uh, doesn't, re- especially when that big movie resonates as well as it does, as a lot of these movies have. Like, um, I can get a little film snobby, although not really. I mean, most of the crap that I like to watch is far from, uh, uh, um, you know, like say Cannes Film Festival award-winning type of movies. But um, the the comic book movies, especially, are by and large right now, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like really good. Like standalone, like forget the fact that they're comic book movies; they're actually good movies. Like. I was I was I was actually going to get to that point too. Um, one of the things that we kind of knew about the MCU after the first Iron Man was that they wanted to drive it to a point where we were going to get a big a big movie where they brought all those characters together in the Avengers. Yeah. And it 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 became widely known um, before they made Thor and Captain America, and I think a lot of people got the perception that they were making Thor and Captain America just to get to the Avengers. And Definitely. while that might have been the end goal, uh, it didn't stop Captain America from being one of the absolute best movies of that entire phase Definitely. along the way. Um, and I'm not saying Thor was bad either, but uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, was an incredible telling of the Captain America story in in a, a really great movie. Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull, um, fucking brilliant. Now, now that you bring it up there, there's another actor. Like, there's a reason we haven't seen Red Skull for a while, and that's because Hugo really didn't like playing the part. Did not like the makeup. Did not like the whole. You know, it, it's I, I I definitely feel like it's a different experience um, playing in these huge big budget movies with um, lots of green screen and lots of uh, makeup and stuff like that. But um, yeah, Hugo didn't like it for you know. It sounds almost like similar reasons to what Statham is saying, or allegedly saying. Well, and I get the the mask could be pretty. Oh, it's probably uncomfortable shit. Like, in fact, a lot of the villains, you know, like uh, I was thinking of Karen Gillan as Nebula in in uh, Guardians. Mm. Um, Ray Fiennes actually did not know that he was going to have to have a prosthetic on his face when he played uh, Voldemort in the Harry Potter movies, and was yeah. really really upset about it um, for quite a while too. I don't didn't stop him from being great in it. Um, and kudos to him for, you know, carrying it on through you know the rest the rest of the movies, especially in in. Uh... What did he do? He started in four because we just yeah, still family movie night. Kids are totally digging uh, Harry Potter, but um, we just started. We watched four Goblet last week. And I that's don't... the first real appearance, I think. So that's uh, four, five, six, and both sevens. So yeah, yeah, but I, I don't I don't know that he's in. Uh, Order of the Phoenix a ton, but but yeah, he's definitely he's definitely around in um, Deathly Hallows Part One and Two a lot. So, but yeah, um, so anyway, I mean that's that's just one of those one of those things that you know wasn't Hugo's thing. We honestly, I mean, we don't have to have the Red Skull back at any point in time soon either. Um, in fact, the thing that makes me want him to come back most is that they kind of teased it a little bit in a couple of places. 
so I kind of want to see an appearance. But we've already in the Marvel MCU. Um, sorry, that's redundant. It's like ATM machine. We've already in the MCU recast a fairly big character, and that's worked out just fine. Which is, of course, uh, uh, the Hulk in, in uh, Banner. Banner, yeah. I was trying to think of the guy's name that plays him, but for some reason, completely blanking. Um, we're blanking. Because we have the TV on mute right now, and we're, we're watching, watching a Jim Beam commercial with Mila Kunis. Yeah. Um, and I already like whiskey, but it turns out that when Mila Kunis is trying to sell me whiskey, I like it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so anyway. Um, yeah, so no Statham is Bullseye. I mean, it was an interesting rumor to me, because I was surprised to see that Statham would be doing that sort of role because I, I I didn't want to say he's above doing like a TV show type of movie because I mean most of Statham's stuff lately has been basically straight to DVD type of stuff anyway yeah but, I mean uh, I'm pretty sure the Expendables probably only found a home which yeah I should go look that up but yeah I don't think the Expendables was as big a deal it's actually almost a little bit surprising that it's not as big a deal because if you went back and told 10-year-old me that you were going to get all these people in the same movie, I would have said, it's going to be the biggest movie of the century, and that would been kind of, eh. I'm going to say they probably only found a home in, in theaters for The Expendables because Stallone wrote, directed it and did all that other kind of stuff. Like, he's got the kind of stroke to get that done without really yeah. having to... And plus, they let's face it, these guys are still big enough names that I'm sure they still sell tickets, at least to some people, if nothing else... For nostalgia purposes, sure. And for what those movies are, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hating on the Expendables. They're just, I mean, yeah. you, you're not going because you expect to have a different take on life when you're done with it. Definitely, so. you're not like, oh man, I can't wait to see what the plot looks like in this movie. Like, right? Who cares? There's a plot. Like, I'm sure that was probably like a, you know, guys. At some point, we should probably come up with a plot type of thing. Yeah, like the biggest, the biggest plot device to me. Uh, for the first two movies was that Charisma Carpenter was his love interest, Jason Statham's, and then I was disappointed when she wasn't in The Expendables 3, so... Yeah, fair enough. Um, so we got anything else on Statham and Bullseye? No, I think I think we beat that one to death. Yeah. I think we talked about it a little bit in there somewhere. Um, but while we're on the Marvel scene, we should probably talk about uh, Punisher. Yeah. So... Um, We've got some new casting info for Punisher in the Daredevil universe, and that um, John Barenthal. There we go, John Barenthal uh, playing Punisher, and you guys know him best as the head rubbing. Let me ask you something, uh, uh, Shane from The Walking Dead. Yep. Pretty much everybody probably knows him best from that. Yeah, he's been in a couple other, a uh, couple other movies or uh, TV shows too. But right off the bat, I can't really think of of anything else that I've seen him in. Yeah. Um, other than he was in one of the very first episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Interesting. He should have piked one of the cast Like, that would have been a great alternate take. <laughs> Walkers, no. <laughs> Oops. So, um, anyway, um, we talked about this before we, uh, before we hit the record button on this thing. Um, Interesting that they would cast somebody of his stature, um, but we've we've mentioned before that that doesn't necessarily make or break a role. In fact, Charlie Cox, as you have mentioned previously on the show, uh, 
is definitely not Ben Affleck in size, and I thought Ben Affleck was probably the right size for uh, Daredevil, but the Daredevil TV show is a hell of a lot better, so what are you going to do? No kidding. Yeah, we were talking about that, I think, a little bit. Like, um, And probably it's because comic books are, of course, you know, out of this world and, and not really bound by the actual laws of anatomy or anything like that. Sure. Um, so everybody in comic books are, is gigantic. You know, the other one that I think of is The Flash. I mean, go go read any of the Flash books and then look at Grant Gustin playing. And, and it just probably seems a little bit ridiculous. Daredevil's no exception. Charlie Cox is by all, all you know, he's tiny. I mean, well, I wouldn't go so, say as, so far as to say tiny. And it's not like the guy is you know, uh, super skinny and has no muscle on him or anything like that, but he's he's not a big guy. Um, whereas most of the comic booky hero types are basically refrigerator-shaped, you know, like, can't mess with them, solid muscle type of characters. I'll take the... the well, I don't know what I'm going to take. Cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grant Gustin, I think, probably is relatively similar in size to the old school Barry Allen portrayal. Yeah, um, Barry Allen is is a lot slimmer. Um, height wise, I don't know, but uh, probably the reason why when we think of the Flash in the comic books as being a larger character than Grant Gustin is because since 1985, Wally West was the Flash, mm. and. Wally West is a lot larger in stature than Barry Allen was. So I think that might might be where part of that perception comes from, um, especially people our age, because prior to 1985, we probably didn't have a lot of comic book knowledge um, or access. I mean, the, we, we are, we're so lucky in this day and age because we have access to all these digital archives and things like that that we can buy from Marvel or DC or whoever you know we want to... Yeah, totally. Check into. Um, and we didn't have that when we were kids. We had to like wait for our grandparents to die or aunts or uncles to <laughs> hand us down the collection. Um, so, but yeah, um, I, I, I honestly think that... So here's... I have mixed feelings because Barenthal, I think, is going to do a killer job as, as um, Frank Castle. Totally. My, my, uh, I, I, uh, sorry. Go ahead. He did really. I mean, he he. Uh, we saw what he can do in The Walking Dead, and he clearly uh, um, can bring that sort of seriousness. I think that that uh, you can to Frank Castle, and you know, one of the big things about Frank Castle is that he's he's a human character. I mean, that suffered a lot of tragedy, and I think that's totally something he can do. Like we've seen that already a little bit in The Walking Dead. Um, maybe not to quite the degree that we expect from Frank Castle, but. Um, I I don't know. I think I think he is going to be able to probably pull off a little bit more of the wild-eyed, crazy Frank Castle that we've seen in the comics over the years. Um, which I mean, nothing to to take nothing away from Tom Jane, who I think did a phenomenal job. Uh, agreed. Um, he his Punisher was a little bit more I don't say even keeled I guess is, is what I'll what I'll use because while he had suffered great strategy um, and this that and the other thing there was the whole he still was he had his wits about him when he was he was very focused on what his purpose was and and that was kind of not quite what Frank Castle is supposed to be Frank Castle is supposed to be driven mad by the loss of his family by the loss of yeah. his family and and as a result, hates all criminals. 
to yeah. the point of breaking a jaywalker's legs occasionally. Okay, I don't know if he goes that far, but yeah, I mean he's a little nuts. Like that that is that's a good point. I think he could definitely uh, uh, play that up a little bit more, and I, it would be interesting to see in this because that's a sort of a frequent dichotomy when you see the crossovers, like um, with the Punisher. Punisher and Spider-Man is an obvious one, uh, but Punisher even had a, a run with uh, Daredevil. Actually, I think Daredevil, Spider-Man, and the Punisher were all together in the Ultimate Universe for a while, too. And one of the things you get the sense of is that uh, they both kind of think that Frank Castle's just a little bit bonkers. Like, effective, maybe, but a little bit nuts. Like, he's, yeah, he's not all there. Yeah, which to me makes sense. Like, you know, losing your family is certainly tragic, but the way, the way that Castle reacts... It's maybe a little over the top, like you were saying, like breaking on Jay Walker's legs. And again, not don't quote me. It's not like uh, I'm not sure if that's ever happened, but he clearly goes a little overboard on the whole punishing side of things, which you know I guess kind of makes sense. Otherwise, I would just call him Mister Nice Guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, I am a little bit brokenhearted that we're not going to see Tom Jane anymore. Um, my understanding and and internets correct me if I'm wrong but I heard it from you yeah is that Tom Jane was interested in coming back and doing the Punisher although I think he was probably thinking more along the lines of a movie um, I don't necessarily know that he'd have been opposed to a TV show I don't know if they talked to him I don't know what the what the situation was um, but overall I'm in favor of, of seeing Barenthal yeah take a crack at it Plus, this is one that I, I am interested in seeing a little bit different take on the character. Like, again, not to disparage anything in the Tom Jane uh, character portrayal. Because that, that, I think, was perfectly valid, perfectly fine. And like, this is sort of like when people talk about Tobey Maguire versus uh, um, Garfield. Like, both takes on the character are fine, but neither are quite right. It's interesting, I think, to get that a, a new look at what we can get from Frank Castle, so... Excited for that. For sure. What do you got next? Is that it? Yeah, show's over. Show's over? Go no, on. show's not over. No. Um, Alright, so we talked last week a little bit um, about how neither of us really uh, listen to newer music. Um, we kind of have gotten old and stuck in our ways. This is so funny because I was thinking this exact shit and I was going to bring this up to you after the show tonight. So let's, let's just keep going. Let's see how so, this goes because I think we're going to be right on the same page. <laughs> um, so my mutual mystery challenge has to do with that. Um, we, starting next week, are going to challenge each other uh, to listen to, to a new record that neither of us have listened to before. See, what I was going to say is we should open this up even further... And get the internet involved. Like, just let's just post on Facebook and see, you know, what people will respond. And I think that could be interesting because, first off, when we recommend albums to each other, it's probably going to be something we'd expect the other the um, other one to like. But I was kind of interested uh, to see what other people would come up with, and you know, how far off the beaten path we would get. Because um, when it comes down to it, I think probably both of us on a regular basis listen to a very fairly narrow genre set I think that's fair um yeah I mean in, in a sense that I don't listen to any country or really any hip hop or anything like that at all so yeah totally um I'm, I'm gonna I, I will accept that amendment to the rule involving the the internet as a whole as you have one voice internet use it wisely no um yeah we can even get a red thread going on this I bet people would probably uh, 
they they do this on the music subreddit like every week so um, yeah maybe maybe it'll get downloaded to hell because I'm sure there's every ten minutes there's like a new recommendation well, thread this is this is what I'm gonna say um, anybody that recommends or suggests that we listen to Beaver's newest record um, or Miley Cyrus's newest record. I'm not going to do it, and if I had a way to block you from listening to the show, I would. Um, <laughs> so, not that I think I have to block anybody from listening to the show. Um, I think we're the only ones that do. But yeah, <laughs> so it's funny that you say that because uh, I was kind of picturing what people are saying uh, or what kind of you know joke answers we can get, and those those definitely popped up. But I gotta say, I don't hate it when Taylor Swift comes on the radio. I listen to Taylor Swift, right? Okay, so we're agreed. Taylor yeah. Swift's in. I, in fact, I can go grab you three records off of off of my uh, daughter's shelf right now. So perfect. <laughs> I think I just subtly got compared to a tiny girl. <laughs> um, uh, I wasn't really going there, but yeah, I mean, I just <laughs> I have daughters. They listen to Taylor, so right, yeah. Um, well, that's that's of course my experience with Taylor Swift too. Is my my daughter? You know, we got to watch everything on YouTube. So play yeah, this, play, pay Vlad, uh, pay play. Bad Blood Again, that's the song. Have you, which actually, have you seen the video? Is that from the newest record? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's like a homage to a whole bunch of different movies. Like you see some Matrix, you see some uh, um, hints at the fifth element and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of uh, surprisingly neat stuff. Like I would not expect, I would not have expected Taylor Swift to come out with a video that would, you know, have a cross section with any of my interests other than, you know, pretty girls, but... Here we are. Yeah, I actually have not seen the video. I haven't even really heard much of the new record. The only tracks from the from the record that I've heard um, were in Bryce's rig on the way to Safeway and back to go on a beer run because he yeah. bought the new record shortly after it came out. And, and it, there's like no way you can't hear a few of them because there's they're on every radio station like all the time right now. That's the advantage I have though. I don't listen to the radio. See, I don't either anymore, at all. But <laughs> the uh, the kids and the wife do. So when I get in the car. There's usually something on the radio that's you know not anything I've listened to because I don't listen to the radio at all. Like I I can't even stand like rock radio stations anymore. Like I I have to plug in my phone or a lot of the times I'll just turn it off if I like I don't have the phone plug in thing. See, now I I have a wife that listens to the radio as well occasionally, but we drive our own vehicles almost exclusively. Yeah, and in my car. I drove a 2007 Chevy Malibu, and it is one of the only models of vehicles that was made in that year that actually does not have RCA ports on the back for an AUX jack. That sucks. Um, And because of the fact that I don't like that car enough to invest in an aftermarket stereo system or anything else, what I've done is I've gone the cheap route and bought myself an FM transmitter to listen to music off my phone um, or podcasts or whatever I'm doing. you know, traveling to and from work. Um, and she doesn't really, I mean, it's not that she doesn't know how to use it. I mean, she could figure it out if she tried, but she doesn't care enough to actually figure it out. So mm. that's the only time I'll ever find a radio station out in my car is if she ha- she's had to use my car for whatever reason. Um, and I'm not there to set the transmitter up. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ash is the same. We, we have, a in the, the, we have a tape deck in one of our cars and it's one of those pain in the ass, like gigantic, uh, stereo systems that, it's a huge pain to replace, so we haven't done that either. So I have one of those little tape to three and a half jacks. Um, and she does the same thing. Like She probably could plug in her phone, but she doesn't care enough to actually do that. Um, and I don't think she gets that. Like We have the whole iTunes Match thing, so she can listen to any of our shit on the 
phone. So uh, she just plays the radio too. So we get in the car and there's all kinds of weird ass stuff in there. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's that's what the mystery challenge was. Is that uh, we're going to be challenging ourselves, um, or you guys will, um, you know, whoever we hear from first. Um, to listen to other stuff. Um, and we might even take it a step further. Maybe I challenge Eddie to listen to something that I know he hasn't listened to, and he challenges me to listen to something that he knows I haven't listened to. Yeah. Um, just to broaden our horizons and make us not such curmudgeonly old bastards about music. Yeah, which, don't get me wrong, I think I'm with Matt on this. Like, we probably aren't going to go too heavy into the poppy, and I, I don't think, like, country, I'm sorry, guys, I'm sure there's country that you love, and a lot of people love country just fine, and, and I'm sure it's perfectly fine, but I to this I cannot find anything past like Garth Brooks in 1995 that I've actually enjoyed in any way um Jesus Christ just the name Jason Aldean pisses me off these days right yeah yeah um but I, I'm actually a little bit broader like the hip hop stuff's fine like actually I did find myself listening to Kendrick Lamar the other day um cause I used to like I used to like old school hip hop um like type, Tribe Called Quest and that kind of stuff um but I haven't really listened to it because especially in my opinion, there's been a lot of really shitty rap, or at least maybe the popular shitty, the the um, popular rap has been pretty shitty for the last few years. Uh, but somebody mentioned Kendrick and and Tribe Called Quest in the same sentence or something like that, so I checked it out and it, it's pretty good. So I'd probably listen to that on purpose. I haven't, as a general rule, hated all hip hop, but I have not liked any of it in the last <laughs> ten, fifteen years. Um, I was a big fan of Dre back in the day, Snoop Dogg, some of his original stuff. Yeah, it's uh, kind of West Side Connection, Mac Ten, Ice Cube. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I really kind of dug that. Now there's a third guy that I'm leaving out, but that's because Easy uh, is e. that that wasn't Easy. E. No, that's uh, I think um, NWA. NWA. Oops. Which was a little bit before my foray into hip hop, but only just. Um, I think I think E was probably already uh, gone by the time. I actually started listening to much. Yeah. Um, it's just... So, the the hit, rap and hip-hop that I listened to as a, as a teenager was really aggressive uh, gangster rap. And then it took a took a turn after both Biggie and, and Tupac died. Yeah. And then it all became about money. And then I just didn't give a shit anymore. Well, I think that's true for... See, like, this is where I think the, the mystery challenge comes in handy because I think that's probably true for popular rap. Um, you know the popular rap we're thinking of is after after Pac and Biggie was you know kind of like the whole bad boy, um, Puff Daddy, etc. Um, and and that's really kind of where it became sort of all about the blingy. Oh, and and Wayne, I don't know what Wayne's like now, but all that kind of stuff. Then you know all the popular rap then was all the sort of money bling, you know, etc. Which yeah, that I didn't like either. I guess Eminem still remained a little bit See, pissed I, off. I did, and listen, I didn't hate Eminem. I did listen to M um, for quite a while, um, even after I'd really kind of stopped listening to rap because, and this is I think what why I like rap or what I like about rap and hip hop in general, and that's one of the things that I like about Kendrick um, is they they have they have uh, both some amazing flow like. If you like rap and listen to hip hop and you like the flow aspect of it, that that to me is huge. And B, um, some of the cleverest fucking wordplay. Like um, Eminem's pretty fucking clever. Yeah, or used to be. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. Recent I stuff I haven't. I haven't listened to, listened to anything from him probably in the last five or six years. But um, 
but uh, the 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 amazingly clever wordplay is in there. And there's the, I know there's a lot of rap rappers out there now that where that's certain cer- certainly starting to resurge as far, so as far as uh, popularity goes. So that's I'm kind of getting a little bit more interested in the genre again, but not crazy interested. Like it's still you know like the mutual mystery challenge is a good idea because I still listen to probably the same ten records or something like that on average. So. Yeah, it's it's really funny because I have Kid Rock's first couple records where it was more hip hop based, rap yeah. rock, so to speak. Um and then later he really transitioned into more southern rock uh sounding music and stuff like that. Hated that. I yeah. honestly prefer it, but I haven't really <laughs> dug myself into it that much. Yeah. Um like we don't have a Bob Seeger anymore, and so it's kind of it to me it's kind of uh kind of nice that we've got one dude out there that even though that isn't his claim to fame or what he started out as doesn't mind you know giving himself a makeover lyrically and musically and and doing something different so and and i'm not talking like metallica saint anger different i'm talking like possibly you know, good differently different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh I never was a really big Seeger fan or anything like that. Seeger, I think I like all right. Um, but no, I, I never really liked the whole Southern rock too much. I'm probably going to get tons of hate for this, but like Skinner, I never really was a big fan of Skinner or anything like that. Skinner's a funny one because I've, um, other than Freebird, which I think is a classic, and I think as anybody who enjoys music probably at least have, have respects what yeah. Freebird was. Um Aside from that one song, I think my favorite Skinner songs have all been covers. That's funny. Um, Metallica on the Garage Inc. record did a um, cover of Train Roll On with, uh, I think, John Popper from... What the fuck band was he in? Uh. Blues Traveler. Sorry, John. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, sorry. I should have gotten that one. And, and a couple other dudes. And it was it was really good. And, uh, you know, of course, Shine Down was their Simple Man uh, cover which I have mixed feelings See, about like, because the studio version of that is is really good, but then you listen to the acoustic cut and he is like way way out there with the vibrato and just there, it's too much. But yeah, okay, but yeah, I mean overall, like there there it just seems like we're missing out a little bit. Like there's there's definitely like people are still making cool music. In fact, probably right now is the time where most cool music in the history of ever is being produced. Like, we have more access and more ability to make music. And it's crazy. Like, even, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when I was in high school, making music was a very, very expensive endeavor. Um, Especially if you wanted to record any of it. And that's just not true anymore. Like, you can get very, very good studio-sounding recordings out of, like, an average laptop, you know? Well, I mean, look at us. I mean, everything we're doing recording-wise is on a laptop and one stupid mic and... To be fair, if either of us had the tiniest bit of disposable income, it wouldn't take very much to upgrade this into something that sound sounds uh, you know. completely professional. Yeah. Um, not that what you do doesn't sound professional. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking a dig at it. It's just it. We have what we have to work well, with I mean, at this point. There's you can hear some of it is equipment. I mean, like obviously people do spend you know five or six hundred dollars on mics, and I don't think those people are necessarily idiots because a lot of them seem to do it, um, which we clearly don't have the money to do. Um, but the biggest thing, like, is, you know, we were talking about this. I like doing the shows in the same room, but we need a multi-mic multi, multi mic setup, I think, for that to be optimal, so. But in, but in our show, you get Luna, the canine crusader, scratching herself in the background. That's true. And, I mean, that's quality. And if we that's had totally listening. directional mics, we wouldn't have that. That's true. 
And I, I, I fucked up earlier, guys. I called her Luna the Wonder Dog. Luna is not the Wonder Dog. She's the Canine Crusader. Um, Steve Austin's dog, Hershey, is the Wonder Dog, and I don't want to take that away from her. So Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. I guess you could do like a cage match, but... Dogs but I don't want to get my ass other. kicked by Steve Austin. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> maybe, maybe Steve Austin would just be like, no, you're being a bitch. And you'd have to be like, well... You got a point, sir. That's that's fair. I'm gonna go sit down. Um, <laughs> um man. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Hit us up music. on Facebook. Give us some more music to listen to. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Questions at whatever you dot co. Whatever show. Um, couple other things that we mentioned before. Um, I, I think I, I told you about an article that I read about the Simpsons earlier. Yeah. Um, this is gonna be a season twenty-seven spoiler. Which, uh, of course, I just want to point out the absurdity of saying season 27. Like, for, uh, we'll get there, but I'm not s- entirely sure that The Simpsons should still be on TV. Uh, so, anyway, season 27. Funny sentence right there. Season 27. Um, apparently, Marge and Homer are going to get legally separated. And Homer has a romantic love interest aside from Marge. Now... That being said, Marge and Homer over the last several years, 26 thus far, um, have had their ups and downs. Um, I believe at one point they found that they were actually had been divorced for several years without knowing it. <laughs> um, this, that, and everything. They're always back together by the end of the episode. So I don't know how much we can really read into, into the, yeah. the uh, rumors um, or spoilers, but uh, hopefully if... Marge and Homer really mean that much to you, you might want to watch the premiere with the box of tissues, just in case. Yeah, like I said before, uh, before we were talking about the show, that seems so, like, sharp, shark jumping, like, they're just hopscotching back and forth over the shark at this point, like... The uh, shark is actually turned over and is floating belly up and just letting people walk on it at this point. I think, yeah, I'm not even sure you have to jump, it's just like, fuck it, you've beaten me to death with this silliness like Like, the fawns won't even won't even bother acknowledging the shark anymore well oh greatest callback ever have you ever watched arrested development yes yeah when he actually literally jumps the shark in arrested development yes i laughed so hard my wife was like what are you doing (laughs) i explained it and then she chuckled it counted um (laughs) hey that is if you can get a chuckle out of ash that's that's a big deal i counted it as a win um so anyway, yeah, the idea seems absurd to me and just seems like another nail in the hole. Like, take the Simpsons off the air, already coffin, you're kind of killing what it used to be. But I don't really know. Like, we were just discussing this, too. Like, I haven't watched The Simpsons. Like, I maybe have caught half an episode in, the, in the, you know, the past couple of years. Um, but I haven't really watched The Simpsons with any sort of regularity since, like, season 10 or 11. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a perfectly fine show. Maybe it's just me being an old curmudgeon bastard and the show's just simply aging with its audience... Or, or not aging with its audience, but aging instead, like, uh, you know, so the same, you know, like my, you know, when I watched the show and loved it, I was, you know, probably 8 through 15, 16, 17, something in that range. Maybe it's just sticking, you know, with it, uh, that audience. So, I'm 37. Old guy. I remember being in 5th grade, 4th or 5th grade, it was one of those two, when wearing... The Simpsons t-shirts was banned. Oh, yeah. We weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. Like, that's why I said eight, because when I was, like, seven, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah, so... Eight was when I started just, like, sneaking it. 
I'm just saying, man, and I I can't I can't be down on The Simpsons for still being on the air because I honestly haven't watched it in that many years. Yeah. But the fact that I haven't watched it in that many years and I'm I mean, I I don't get me wrong, I don't have real high standards when it comes to TV. I watch a lot of shit. Um it's just not one of the ones that I really have a lot of time for. So I just man, there's been a couple episodes that I've watched in the recent past and it seems like the humor has changed drastically since I was Oh, since yeah. I remember watching it. Definitely. Um, you know, just there's blatant drug references in it now where it, those things like that used to be a little bit more uh, what's the word I'm looking clandestine. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Um and it was like Bart wasn't like when I watched it, Bart was not actually an asshole. He just had a propensity for mischief. It's true. Like they're they're all. Um, it's funny they were talking about a cartoon and the phrase I'm going to use, but they're all sort of caricatures of themselves now. The characters, the, the characters at least the, the little bit that I have caught, that's how it feels to me. Like the characters are sort of incredibly. God, this sounds so stupid when you're talking about a cartoon, but incredibly like animated caricatures of uh, what they once were. Yeah, and I'm really I'm really feeling like they might just want to hang it up. At this point, I mean, my understanding is that Harry Shearer is no longer with him, um, and he's the one that does. He's done the voices for Flanders and uh, uh, Mr. Burns and Smithers. Yeah, did he See, do Mr. Burns? It wouldn't surprise me if they but, did want to hang it up, but the only because I think the thing that's kept most of them in it for this long is that they're making ridiculous amounts of money. Sure. Like and I don't 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 get me wrong I don't begrudge them for that like if somebody wanted to pay me ridiculous amounts of money for probably what's not I I would imagine not a whole lot of work. Uh, um, again, sorry guys if I'm completely wrong and you spend like eighteen hours a day recording I just it does not seem like that would be the case. Um, Sounds like Luna likes The Simpsons. Yeah. Probably piss off. What the fuck did you say? Is that that that's probably what that sound means? I think so. Either that or You're why did you turn the AC it. off? It's competing with the new millennials. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Simpsons still on the air. I don't know, maybe I'll watch an episode. Maybe that should be part of the weekly challenge. Go watch an episode and see if it's as bad as I think it is. Yeah, I'm. if I do it though, because I'm a completionist, I'm probably going to have to do it chronologically and I'm still stuck midway through season 13 right now. So it may take a while before I get into anything really current. <laughs> What I always liked about The Simpsons was that they were a running commentary on everything that was happening during whichever time period they were being created at. Um, you know, whether there was dingoes eating people's babies and or, you know, foreign relations issues between us and another country, things like that. It always seemed like it found its way into The Simpsons within the next few weeks. Um, and I don't know if they still do that or not, but... I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say um, they certainly made jokes about that. Like, that stuff certainly came up in the show. Something was going on. But uh, more often, I thought that they, um, a lot of the episodes stand on their own. Like, a lot of my favorite episodes stand on their own because the time, like, the, like I don't think we're going to say this about Family Guy in 10 years. And in, in 10 years, Family Guy, I think, is probably going to feel very dated um, because it relies so much on current events. Um, and even South Park. South Park's still funny, and, and it's a different show than it started out to be, too. But South Park now is very much driven by current events, so much so that I'm not sure in 10 years anybody's going to care anymore. Um, whereas the early Simpsons, especially up until 8, 9, 10, 
um, some of the best episodes of The Simpsons completely stand on their own and you could watch them today and I think that you wouldn't lose much watching it today. I think the family guy being kind of dated in 10 years is probably part of its charm though because I mean even in the first season there were references to things that yeah the vast majority of the people that were probably tuning in on Fox or not which is maybe why it got cancelled um, but it was probably over the heads of a lot of people um, just because Seth MacFarlane has that mentality that if he thinks it's funny that's what they roll with and he doesn't really give a shit whether or not you or I understand it he just it's funny to him yeah, I think a little bit I, I think um, sometimes I think they probably went for jokes that might have gone over the head but I think that's also toned down a little bit I think now um, Family Guy's toned down sort of the intelligent jokes quite a bit and it's become a lot more like slapping you in the face with it I stopped of. caring after I found out Brian died yeah is Brian still dead? I don't know. I'd be really surprised if Brian was still dead. <laughs> but yeah, that's another like, okay, you're a cartoon, like, stop trying to, you know, like, this doesn't make any sense, just keep going, do what you're good at. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, animated TV kind of has fallen off the off the radar for me, I just, there's been a lot of uh, other things. But then again, I'm also not a big anime fan either, and I never have been, um, which is not to say that I don't appreciate its value in pop culture um, because it for sure has a huge huge place in it it just never has been my cup of tea yeah see I'm probably going to sound like a total plebe here but the thing that turns me off the most about anime usually is watching the subtitles or the shitty dubs like uh, I do like English a lot of the times there, there's been some pretty good English um, or, or well dubbed you know anime um, but like I, I, uh, uh, animated TV is just fine like I don't know probably a lot of people that would listen to this would like uh, Avatar the Avatar series not Blue Guys but uh, Bender Guys um, from Nickelodeon and then The Legend of Korra which I thought was also pretty good too for the most part um, so yeah I don't know I, I bet I could probably very easily get into anime because I think that um, the Avatar in particular is sort of an Americanized or slightly Americanized you know anime anime there's there's two things that I'm going to call anime, which um, you know, anime purists may want to hang me from my toes for or whatever. But um, the Street Fighter Two animated movie from I don't know, fifteen and twenty years ago. I don't remember watching it. I don't think it was really super terrific. And then uh, Final Fantasy Advent Children. Final Fantasy, yeah. No, was, I think that falls badass. in that category. Um, for sure. Actually, I like Final Fantasy pretty well. Um. What am I thinking of? Appleseed? Appleseed. I can't remember if it was Dust X Machina or um, just X Machina. I really like that movie. That was pretty good. Anime, definitely. Um, I started watching Attack on Titan a little while ago. Um, but quite honestly, it, it, most of the stuff that I watch now, right now at least, are like the must-watch. Like I have to finish these types of shows. And that didn't quite hit that category for me. So I've only seen a couple of episodes, but... Yeah, I'm gonna have to pause this because yeah. the Canine Crusader seems like she has to go pee. We'll be back after these messages from silence. All right, everybody, we are back. Um, that break was brought to you by nobody um, yeah. because we don't have any fucking sponsors. Um, but I'll take this time to give a shout out to Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Yeah, um, we have not talked about beer at almost at all. On this we haven't podcast, talked about beer at all. Kind really. of surprising, but this evening. 
uh, I, we brought over a sampler pack from Sierra Nevada. If you guys haven't had Sierra Nevada stuff, it's pretty easy to find, at least in the States. Um, if we have international listeners, excuse us. But uh, the uh, one you're probably going to see is their uh, IPA. Yeah, what's that one called? Um, it's actually not their IPA. The most popular one is probably the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Not the IPA. And it's, it's just called torpedo. Pale Ale. Yeah, the Sierra, ne- Sierra Nevada Pale is actually really good. Their uh, Torpedo, which is what Matt's drinking right now, is their extra IPA, which if you like a good IPA, like the bitter factor, um, the, that one's solid. Right now I'm drinking the Ruthless Rye IPA, which is pretty awesome. It's an excellent seasonal. Yeah. Um, interesting fact about the Torpedo IPA. Um, Steve Austin, on one of his podcasts, actually uh, went and interviewed the president and, and co-founder Sierra. of Sierra Nevada. Um Torpedo Extra IPA is what Steve Austin went on record as saying at that point in time was his favorite beer. Um, which, if you're like me and you grew up watching him in, during the Attitude Era of uh, of WWF slash E, the dude was just pouring down cans of silver cans of whatever beer it was. Yeah, and uh, I never would have guessed it, but apparently, um, in addition to that, he is in the process of getting his own brewing process going and, and he said his first uh, beer that he creates and releases to the public will be an IPA as well. Yeah, IPAs are kind of uh, the new hotness right now. Yeah, so hot right now. Which I, I don't, I'm not saying I blame because IPAs are really good and uh, this is sort of, like there's sort of the uh, beer continuum. Like you sort of start off and you're like, oh, Coors Light, that might not be too bad and then you have a couple of Coors Lights and then you realize it's like, no, maybe we should have an actual beer, you know? Something with beer in it, at least. Um, yeah, beer snob. Definitely beer snob. Um, and so you move up the line, and then you, you eventually, you know, you hit your ambers or something like that. And then it's then it's IPAs, and then it's like, well, now, like, how, how better can we get this shit? Because nothing else tastes like it has any flavor anymore. You know, what's funny is about that is, and I went... As obviously as a teenager, I, I drank Coors Light because that's what we could get a hold of. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, but I ended up developing a taste for imports more than anything else. I drank a lot of Heineken and a lot of Beck. So did I because it, uh, it had was flavor, slightly more flavorful than yeah, like your, your domestic. Bud Light and what have you. Granted, part of that flavor does kind of seem like something that might come out of a skunk's ass. A little. But yeah. it was but it was more flavorful than, than your traditional uh, American adjunct lager. Um, I know, Luna, you like lagers. It's fine. Um, she does have a bit of a drinking problem. The, um, but you're right, though. You're totally spot on. The Ambers were what I went to after that. Oh, and Hef. Hef I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, I think Hef... Probably falls right along the scale, right before the ambers. You know what's funny is I don't I don't look down on Hef's. I don't well I don't look down on ambers either, but they're just not my preferred. Hef's yeah. still though have a, a pretty good place in my beer rotation because during the summers, uh, you can drink a lot of Hefe and oh, not get me. the bloats, you know, with the heat and all that kind of stuff. So. Oh, um, reminds me. Uh, speaking of Sierra, their summer. I think it's actually just called summer ale. Is amazing. All right. So yeah, Hefs. Um, I, I drink those quite a bit during the summer. Um, yeah, totally. And my wife, actually, um, her and I did a recipe a couple years back uh, for a 
It's actually, uh, it's not a half, it's a, it's a wit beer, but it's pretty similar in terms of uh, wheat malt and stuff like that, so, which I think I might have to make again pretty soon. Yeah, uh, definitely like Hef, I still like Hef's too, um, first off, it's a good milder, like, beer, but it's got enough flavor for you still, um, definitely good for the summer, um, a little bit heavier than a lager, you know, so, it's not quite the same, but. Yeah, definitely good summer beers. Um, but, you know, like I was saying before, my go-to right now is the Sierra Nevada Summer Ale. Because that, that, to me, is, is a got a really nice, uh, nice, nice light lager flavor. Or a light, light, light uh, body, but nice uh, hoppy flavor to it. Not, not like IPA hoppy, but, you know, still flavorful, especially, you know, compared to... Like, it's like... If we were going to have a national beer instead of Bud Light, it should be that. <laughs> no, I get you. Um, it's it's interesting that it's, it's taken us this long to talk about any kind of beer um, or anything like that because beer is actually um, one of the things that we found several years ago that we had in common um, when we hung out that one fateful afternoon where we brewed a batch of beer that never saw the light of day. Yeah, um, I mean, it might have seen a lot of your son's ass crack because I'm pretty sure he did everything to that bucket. Yeah. Including. For, okay. <laughs> he probably didn't actually take a dump in it, but. The funny story behind this is the beer was uh, um, in my pantry, which my boy Jackson decided to get into. And then he took the airlock off and was shoving all kinds of fun stuff in there. Dog food, I think, mostly. Which, don't get me wrong, I've heard that people are probably overreacting when they throw out perfectly good beer a lot of the times because the airlock was off for four seconds, but. No, I, I don't think I wanted dog food beer, so yeah, I went down the drain. Um, I mean, maybe maybe the boys from uh, Brew Dogs have s- oh. some other some other interesting recipes with dog food beer. I don't know, not not really my cup of tea either, though. So anyway, that was that was our both of our first uh, you know brewing experience. Um, I've since gone on to brew many batches of beer. <laughs> and I I I have not actually. That's one of my great regrets. That I should be brewing more beer. So um, keep a keep an eye out though, because a future episode may in fact be us brewing beer. Uh, we may be doing a, a live running commentary. Well, it won't be live when you hear it, but it'll be live when we do it. Yeah, uh, doing a running commentary while we do a batch of beer and stuff. Um, that would I'm not sure that would work out as well in practice as, as it sounds because like, well, I don't know. Maybe we could we'll probably talk about other shit while we're brewing beer because otherwise it's just like well it's boiling. Yeah, back in a half hour. Um, yeah. But yeah, beer's fun, man. Um, and not because I necessarily am a drunk, um, although I've been accused of it a time or two. But see, I, that's the rough thing. Like when people get all into coffee, people like they're not like, "Oh, I think you're having too much coffee." Is that your third cup of coffee this morning? No. I know, I know. But I have three or four beers before nine o'clock in the morning. My wife's like all over me. Yeah, seriously, get off my shit. It's <laughs> my hobby. Um, you know that's actually kind of a interesting point too. Like, well, first off, that, that I like that comparison. Actually, um, people do get it all into coffee, and there's all these subtle nuances and blah blah blah. And I don't get that about coffee at all. Like, I have coffee that I like and don't like, and I too. I, I mean, certain coffees do taste different to me, obviously. Right. And you certainly can make bad coffee, but like when people are like, "Oh, you have to try this. It's from blah blah blah," I don't get it at all, really. Um, but yeah, I can generally taste the difference between, say, like Folgers and, and you know, the little $6 bags or $7 bags of whatever. 
Um, and I do generally prefer light roast. Anyway, beer oh. though, beer I totally get the obsession. I like how both your computer snob and your coffee snob are gay. Yeah. It might even be the same gay guy. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> um, stereotypical gay guy, I should say. Um, and yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, obviously, I'm not throwing that out as a derogatory term, so don't, don't get your panties in a wad. Definitely does have the stereotype lisp. Um, I think I was going for that. Um, right. Yeah, coffee and beer. Um, yeah, I'm totally a beer snob. My wife is totally a coffee snob. Well, she's not a coffee snob. She does dig her some Starbucks. Um, See, and that's where I've gone a little too. Like, I, I've actually gotten snobby enough about my coffee that I don't really like Starbucks anymore. Now it just tastes like it's burnt. Um, yeah, I I dig Starbucks too on occasion, but it's not like I drink my cup of coffee in the morning before I go to work. Sometimes too, depending on. Yeah, when it is, uh, like tomorrow morning, I have to be at work by seven thirty. So, I will probably have a cup while I'm getting ready, and I'll probably take another cup with me. Um, but other than that, that's that. It is what it is for me. But when it comes down to my weekends and stuff like that, if I've got the funds, I don't necessarily want to drink a lot of beer, but I want to drink a lot of different types of beer. Totally, I, I uh, definitely love like beer sampler packs like that's like my nirvana right now is like all the different beers and getting a bunch of different uh, um, different beers to try like I definitely like um, sampling a lot of beers yeah um, so that'll be that'll be something that we maybe cover a little bit more frequently um, on the show because I'm gonna be straight up with everybody right now these podcasts are usually three beer shows so yeah yeah that's whether we're actually Solidus. sitting in my living room recording or whether we're uh, remoting via Skype uh, with each other, I he's always got his and with him, and I've I've always got one with me too, except for the one week I was out and I was actually <laughs> I was I was drinking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> um, not See, that I not that I have to be inebriated to to do the show, but it it doesn't it doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> See, now there's the thing we were talking about, too. Like, I could very easily become a whiskey snob, except for there, I'm pretty sure I would just go right off the wagon. Like, at some point, we'd have to have, like, the intervention episode, because I'm sure that's what would end up happening. I can't afford to be a whiskey snob. I like whiskey. Um, oh, yeah. See, that's a good point, too. Like, um, my wife did one year buy me, like, the nice bottle of Maker's Mark, like the, uh, um, God, I forget what the exact edition was, but it's, like, the, the expensive bottle, like... Their normal bottles like thirty, and then the the one she got me was like the fifty dollar bottle, and that stuff was like heavenly. So yeah, I could totally be a whiskey snob, except for the really good shit is like way too much money for me. Um, I was over to a buddy of mine. Um, I was over to his house, and he has only recently, and I say recently, I mean within the last year to year and a half, really gotten into scotch. Yeah, and I drank part of a bottle of really really excellent 18 year old scotch yeah i did actually one time we splurged out somewhere and i had the glenlivet 18 and that that shit's amazing like i'm typically if i'm drinking scotch i'm a johnny walker black guy yeah um it's just what i like yeah well i mean once you get into the single malts too you can't yeah especially the i think even black black is like a 12 year or is that their 18 black's 12 yeah, so the, the once you get into the single malts, you know, twelve year, it's really kind of hard to go wrong. Like I think it's twelve. Yeah, Why not even be that yeah, much? I don't know. Um, 
I can't remember. It's been so long since I've had a bottle of scotch. Right. Several years of unemployment, and then my wife going to school has pretty much put an thing on me buying any kind of scotch. I do... Kids, um, kids do that, too. Like Traditionally have at least a half gallon of Crown on hand, though, because... Uh, we haven't really talked about location, but we're in Oregon. Yeah. Um, there's There's... One huge benefit to being in Oregon, and that is we have so many microbreweries in the state. Oh, that I honestly love that. Fucking ridiculous the amount of selection you have, just even going to Safeway or whatever, much less an actual store that specializes in anything. Yeah, um, that's super cool because, I mean, first off, craft beer has become a thing lately. Like, I think even in places where craft beer wasn't a thing before. It's not hard to go and find a good uh, a good brew in your you know like you said your local Safeway or whatever your grocery store is, but yeah, being in Oregon's awesome because now you can go even fucking Walmart has a craft brewery section with like local brewers. Yeah, um, and you can you can try all kinds of cool new shit pretty much anywhere. Like, so yeah, being in Oregon for, in craft brew, just perfect. Yeah, um, and I mean other benefits include we don't really have hurricanes uh rarely do we see a funnel cloud Not earthquakes are pretty typically i mean if you live in the Willamette valley like we do and you suffer allergies then you might have some complaints because we have like the highest pollen count also, on earth or something also but. ashley assures me that any day now the san andreas fault is gonna uh um swallow the entirety of oregon and we need to move well i did i did point out to her though that um you could go you know, to California also has earthquakes. You could go a little further inland, then you get into the dry, arid desert area of like Arizona. You go a little bit further than that, hit Tornado Alley. Then you go a little further than that and get all the flood zones and uh, hurricanes, um, hurricanes and what have you. Then you hit the East Coast, and it's like, well, have you seen any of the weather shit coming out of the East Coast lately? Like blizzards. Let's just face it; like the Earth is not a safe place. No, we're pretty much all lucky to be alive. But yeah, that being said. We have an excellent craft beer selection, but we also have the OLCC, which, if you drink liquor at all, that sucks. Yeah. So, putting things in perspective, if I go to a liquor store here in Oregon, and yes, we have to go to a special store, we can't just go to a supermarket, it's going to cost me about $30, close to it, to buy a fifth of Crown Royal. If I go, if I go to California, to the liquor store right across the border, I can buy a half gallon of Crown Royal for between thirty-two and thirty-five dollars. Yeah, that was um, the first time we went to California. Or actually, probably not the first time, because I think the first time we were eighteen, and I definitely didn't know anything about liquor or scotch or anything like that. So, the second time we went to California, that was one of the eye-opening things. First off, is you can buy liquor everywhere in California, like. Yeah, it, the, like there's there convenience no, stores that are literally called food and liquor. Yeah, like in Oregon, like you sort of have to plan your liquor shopping, um, and not in California at all. Like you can go buy California fucking or, it, it, buy liquor anywhere in California. That was eye opening. And then two, yeah, like we walked into like I think it was a Safeway. We walked into a Safeway, and I was like, we have to buy all this shit right now because then if you go, when we go back to Oregon, it's all going to be way more expensive. Of course, my wife informed me that there's not much investment in buying two hundred dollars worth of liquor, but uh, yeah. 
Well, I mean, two hundred dollars worth of California liquor, depending on what it is, goes a lot farther than two hundred dollars worth of Oregon liquor. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I, I tried to point that out, but maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I should have put two hundred dollars of liquor in her first, and then convinced her of its merits. Um, I'm sure some bastard in Alabama is like listening to us right now in a dry county or something like that, talking about how he's got to you know drive you know sixty miles or something like that just to buy a beer. Or something. Get his get his shine off the Duke boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, so anyway, um, LCC, not particularly well-managed liquor control commission. Um, but that being said, my dad lives within an hour of the California border, so when I go visit him, I usually just make a quick stop down there and solid grab my, my Crown Royal or whatever else it is I'm, I'm grabbing. <laughs> That's, maybe I'll go visit your dad. What are you <laughs> doing here? I needed an excuse for my alcoholism. Uh, you know, it's funny, he's invited my friends to Thanksgiving and things like that on occasion that happen to live down there and stuff, so it's That's not cool. like it's a big deal. So, but I was like, hey, my buddy Eddie's going to come down there. Um, he probably <laughs> maybe want to meet you first, but other than that, he's probably not going to care. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, beer's good. We've, we've covered that. Uh, it, it did come up. Um, this is interesting to me. And I'll tell you why this is interesting to me. That, by the way, means games behind, not Gigabyte, in case you're wondering. Oh, another friend informs me that Gigabyte doesn't mean Gigabyte anymore. It's very upsetting. Oh, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, I have my TV on the MLB network, and it's been showing highlights from baseball games all day long. And I've not ever seen Eddie in the same room as a piece of athletic equipment before. Um, hey, no, that's not entirely... Okay, first off, that is entirely fair because he's true. That's true. <laughs> I do like playing sports, but he's right. I, 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 I understand what is happening on the TV, but where other people are like, oh, yeah, his batting average is blah, blah, blah. And, uh, did you see the game last week? And the answer for me is always no clue. I'm like, I know how to play baseball. I play baseball, you know, probably average for, you know, what a 30-year-old dude plays baseball. And so on, but yeah. I've been watching this dude all night, though, and his eyes have pretty much been locked on these baseball highlights um, for a good portion of the day, and not that I have a problem with that, I just just wasn't expecting it. (laughs) Um, it, It's, I I wouldn't, well, am I a sports fanatic these days? I don't know. I don't know that I'd say fanatic, but it definitely comes up. I'm a baseball fanatic for sure. I do have baseball on all the time. Yeah, I was going to say baseball. Baseball is like your jam. Like, um, baseball's always on when I come over. I don't watch the finals in, in the NBA. Um, I don't care about the NBA. See, I'd rather watch basketball. Um, some people would. I Just the, the intentional fouls these days just really piss me off. Like, uh, I get so fucked up, like, trying to figure out, like, wait a minute, why did that guy just draw the... Like, I mean, I kind of get it from a strategic standpoint sometimes, but other times I'm just like, wait a minute, why would you foul the guy right then? Yeah. And they just... Shoot the fucking ball in the basket. That's the point of the game. If you yeah. can't do it without having to flop on the ground, see that that does that is funny. Like baseball hasn't quite gotten soccer levels of like taking the fall, but yeah. And so that's that's what irritates me about that. I do watch uh, football for the most part. I don't I don't watch religiously. I'm not I'm not a. I gotta have the. NFL yeah. Sunday ticket so I can watch every game but uh, I do start watching a little bit more heavily toward the end of the season I don't have a particular team per se 
Um, I just like watching good football games, and um, it's it's a fun sport to watch, especially college. I like watching college ball. Yeah, actually, when it comes to sports, I would rather almost universally watch college. Maybe baseball is the exception here, um, but yeah, I'd rather watch college. Rather watch college basketball. Rather watch college football. Yeah, you don't want to really watch college baseball that much. I mean, it's all right, but it's um, the the deal for me with football um, on a professional level, the NFL and such is the Super Bowl is now spoiled to me. And the reason why is because another friend of mine pointed out one one time that the AFC and NFC championships are actually both decided on the same day. Mm-hmm. And those two teams, are, I mean, there's four teams that play on those days, and then the two teams that win their respective games go to the Super Bowl. Well, the Super Bowl's only one game. The AFC and NFC championships, you get to watch two championship-caliber football games in one day. So he and I tend to actually make a bigger deal out of that day than anything else, you know, with, you know, having people over and having food and all that kind of stuff. And so we'll, we'll gather at his place and, and watch both the championship games on that same day. The downside to that is that game or championship Sunday is a lot of the times, um, it, it can be very close to my wife's birthday, sometimes on my wife's birthday. She doesn't dig you watching football all day on her birthday? No, I don't get to leave weird all day in in those years but um anyway that's just my take on it and it is actually a lot more fun to watch those games than it is to watch the actual super bowl um most years so yeah the super bowl like the super bowl is actually just about my least favorite like if if i'm gonna watch football the super bowl is just about my least favorite because there's so much pomp and uh, um like the super bowl is like what is it like five hours long now like it's a two, it's it's a hour and a half game that I think probably takes five hours to watch. Yeah, it's probably closer to a three hour game. But oh, don't watch this in slow mo because this guy's knee bends it's the like wrong way. Totally fucked up. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. not good. Yeah, hurts my knee looking at it. Anyway, um, here's what the Super Bowl used to mean to me: lots of cool commercials. Yeah. Um, the internet, as much as I love it, and I do, because I'm an IT guy and that's just what I do, but it has absolutely killed any thrill of the Super Bowl for me because I can now go online a week, sometimes two weeks before the Super Bowl starts and watch all of the commercials if I want. Yeah, the commercials are fun too, but the internet's also ruined that because like, the level of edginess in the commercials a lot of the times is what's interesting about them. And sorry, but you got nothing on the internet. Like, yeah, you, you're like you're edgy for like grandma. You're not edgy for like modern, you know, people who are on the internet fairly regularly. Anytime you're on the internet, you are two clicks away from three midges being balls deep in a horse. True. And the Super Bowl really can't compete with that kind of edginess. <laughs> no, <exactly. laughs> so. Um, and I'm not saying that I condone animal abuse in any way, shape, or form, or that I would ever view any of that stuff yeah, intentionally. Yeah, that horse liked it. I'm just, I'm simply pointing out the fact that it's very easy to end up somewhere that you didn't mean to be on the internet. Plus, the internet's a funny place, like somewhere, like there's somebody on Tumblr listening to us saying like how we're condoning rape culture or something like that because we made a horse midget joke. Which actually, we, if anything, should be offended about the midget thing, not because, because they're little people. Wow. They are little people, um, and I don't disagree with that. I do think that they're probably. It just doesn't sound as funny. How often you have say... you heard the term "little people" porn used? 
That's that's what I was just gonna say. It doesn't sound as funny when you're talking about like porn and, and horse sex. No, you hear midget porn. That's right. that's the term that's used. Right. We're just trying to stay up to date with our colloquialisms. Um But yeah. yeah. So how did we get to midget porn? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the question? Isn't that always the question? The the fallacy of the internet. Yeah. Um but yeah, um, so Eddie's been sitting here watching baseball highlights, and I think it's funny because. Well, see, the thing about watching baseball, first off, here's another thing too. I actually really like going to baseball games, even going to like we have our little shitty like, um, what's it called? Not pro league or semi pro leagues, but I don't. You know, baseball's got levels and stuff like that. We've got our own little teams around around here that you can go to, um, and I actually like going to baseball games. Going to baseball games is fun. Um, watching baseball games in perps- person is fun, um, but I don't really like watching baseball on TV as much. But the highlights are fun because you, you know you're basically cutting out all the bullshit. You get to watch all the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I look at that in two different ways because I do like. Obviously, it's fun to watch guys hit the ball. Yeah, a lot. Um, but you can get really good games too where there's no hits. Oh, no kidding. I mean, just watching the pitchers go out there and do their thing and just completely own every batter that walks up to the plate um, is a big deal as well. So, yeah, it's just one of those... It's a sport that not everybody's going to like. Um, it kind of pisses me off because traditionally it is America's sport. Yeah. And now that's like American football has now become... I, I the kind of dominant think... sport in the United States. And I, and I don't have a problem with American football. It but just isn't as traditional to me as baseball is. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right there. Like, uh, baseball used to be almost synonymous with America. Baseball um, and apple pie. Yeah, now, now I think football has definitely taken that sort of uh, place. It's taken its place as sort of like, I, I think if you go to other countries and ask what sport, you're probably going to hear about football before you hear about um, baseball. Baseball and apple pie was always kind of the traditional verbiage used in describing you yeah. know the, the what it, what Americana and now I think it's like football and buffalo wings yeah which don't get me wrong I ain't got a problem with buffalo wings either no both good stuff but yeah the traditionalness in me maybe that's like why I like going to baseball games going to baseball games is fun because there there's certainly a little bit of that whole uh isn't that weird like my patriotic sense is is uh definitely firmly in line with baseball but not actually anything you typically envision when you talk about patriotism. So tell me if you think this is weird. It's still still baseball related. Uh. The baseball stadium in Corvallis, which I don't know the name of, because I don't nothing ever go, go there. Nothing. We were supposed to go there. I probably know there, but that was the day that my daughter was like super freaking yeah, sick. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and PK Park down in Eugene. Where the Ducks baseball team plays. Yeah. The Eugene Emeralds also play there at the same at the same stadium. They yeah. they didn't used to, they used to have their own, but they don't at this point. I don't know if they're building a new one at some point or whatever, but anyway. Neither here nor there. At PK Park, if you go for a college game, you cannot buy beer. They do not sell it. But if you're there watching the Emeralds play, the beer stands are open. It seems to me that you don't have to be 21 to get into a Eugene Emeralds game. 
Yeah, I don't know how that So works. I don't understand what the restrictions are as far as college. I mean, are they just not, because it's a college function, are they not allowed to endorse alcohol or... I don't know. See, like, these notions to me seem so wonderfully antiquated. Like, all of this stuff. Like, when you talk about substance, uh, alcohol, marijuana, etc. Like, the, all of these things se- seem so just hilariously antiquated. Like, I don't know. I don't know who forms their decision. Like, you know, I went to a college baseball game the other night and I couldn't buy a beer. Perhaps that's a sign that I should never have beer. Yeah. It's yeah. really it's really bizarre. You know, and it's only like that in our country. Well, I won't say only our country. I'm sure there's other countries out there that are equally as oh yeah, back, I mean, you got the whole backwards, like, but Islam don't drink alcohol thing. I think so. A friend of mine was in the military for a while, and he was in I think Greece, and he had made a comment one time about not being able to buy beer back home because he wasn't 21 yet. Yeah, it probably confused the shit out of the locals, and, didn't it? And the Greek dude that he was talking to was like, well. Why can't you buy a beer? It's a free country, isn't it? <laughs> and that never... I mean, you don't really put those two things together really a whole lot. I'm not saying that everybody should just go booze it up or whatever because some people can't handle it. But I think... And, and I, this is documented in some places uh, where I don't know because fucking it, it's the internet and it's all over. But... The countries that don't necessarily have a specific age limit on buying alcohol have fewer alcohol-related crime and traffic accidents and, and things like that. The United States treats it so poorly by saying you can't purchase alcohol until you're 21, this, that, and the other thing, that by the time you're 21 in, in the United States, you've had beer. You've just had to be subversive about it and everything else to the point where you're getting yourself in trouble because A, you're breaking the law by getting it, and then B, because you're already breaking that law, what's to stop you from breaking six other laws at the same time? You know what I mean? Like, it's so ridiculous to me that we can vote and put people in office three years before we can legally drink alcohol. Oh, it goes even further than that. You can go to war and die for your country. Like, we're sign- we sign up 16-year-old kids for the army. They are apparently mature enough about making a decision that, you know, may actually affect whether or not they live to see 21. Yeah. But not mature enough to have a beer at dinner. Um, actually, no, you, you brought up a pretty good point there, which is that, yeah, we, do, we have more... Um, alcohol related issues and I think a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that we place a large taboo on it especially at certain ages so that by the time they actually do get it it's finally like oh man well now that I got this special thing I have to have it all the time like it's like kids who uh, don't get dessert at their house you know like dessert's not a thing ever at their house and so when they go over to a friend's house and they can have cake they eat the whole cake Video games, man. I didn't have video games growing up, and when I got a chance to play them, like, that's what I did. Oh, yeah. you play, like, 19 hours of video games in a row until you had to go home. Yeah, like, I'd go, I'd go to, a, a, you know, a get-together for a buddy's birthday or whatever, and I would spend the entire time on the Nintendo, and they'd be doing six other things, but not me. I'm fucking playing Mario or Mega Man or whatever it was, because I didn't ever get that chance um, it's kind of, it's kind of in funny my own house. This sort of general theory is, like, proven over and over again. 
you know, like we have the same thing with abstinence only education where you can see, you know, like documented fact that abstinence only education only increases rates of pregnancy in teenagers. Yeah. You know what, you know what would prevent teen pregnancy? Anal sex. <laughs> Next, you yes. took the words right out of my mouth. No, um, making a kid raise a kid. You know what I mean? Or, or running them through like mock simulations of life, and then all of a sudden, like you're divorced and you owe child support on two kids. <laughs> See, like, okay. There maybe is a little something to that, though, because, um, so, you may not have understood this by listening, but I come from a very humble background, and I did do a lot of the raising of my younger brothers for a long time, um, until, you know, we moved with my aunt around the time I was 11 or 12, um, but especially in the early days, like, I took care of my brothers, and I made a lot of the meals, and I did a lot of the work and stuff like that around the house, and as a consequence, yeah, I was always super incredibly careful, because I knew a little bit of the reality of, um, what raising a kid actually looks like which again this is only the tiniest taste of it because until you're actually there like now that i i've i've got a couple of kids of my own like three now yeah three oops don't talk how i said that um (laughs) the uh everybody kind of says this and it sounds so incredibly cliche but i think that it's pretty much universally agreed upon that you kind of find out that it's true. Like, you don't actually understand quite exactly what having kids means until you get there, and then all of a sudden you're there and you understand it. You know, and, and, and that, of course, probably would have had a huge effect on whether or not you actually wanted to have children or how careful you were about having children. But the other thing, too, is it seemed to me like it wasn't that difficult to not have kids, you know, when we didn't want to. Yeah, and I want to clarify some stuff, too, because I made a couple comments through the course of this show. Um, Regarding alimony and child support, a I've never actually had to pay anybody alimony, um, based largely on the fact that you don't get to collect alimony and child support yeah. legally. Um, and any comment I make about child support is not necessarily to begrudge my kids the child support because I love my kids more than anything and I want them to have what they need, you know, growing up and stuff like that. So I don't I don't have an issue um, with the fact that I pay child support, other than the fact that you make a set amount of money per hour like I do and you really got to plan around the fact that when you get your check it's going to be several hundred dollars less than what you actually earned and you have to actually learn how to budget accordingly and as much as I love my kids having to budget accordingly does suck when it's especially uh, when you're the sole income provider, um, like I am right now with my wife being in school and stuff. So, oh yeah. Um, don't please don't take it anything that I've said in the show to be like, oh that guy's a dirtbag and he owes all kinds of people all sorts of money. Um, yeah, I owe a lot of people a lot of money, um, but that's just life. Uh, you, <laughs> um, and it's not like I'm gonna get my legs broken because I'm not paying them right away. I'm I'm, I'm I, I pay my debts. So, yeah. Um. You can call me a dirtbag for a lot of reasons, but not because my not because of my money. Slip too. into finances. That's funny. We, um, yeah, like my theory now. I uh, I don't really take on debt. There's only a few things that I owe any money on at all um, because I'm so afraid of taking on debt um, that I don't want to pay it. You know, I, I don't want to get stuck in a situation where I can't pay it back, which isn't very likely. I mean, let's uh, honestly, my job is pretty secure, and, and I, if I wanted, to, I could probably keep working there for as long as I wanted to, but. 
the uh, I don't know something about debt just doesn't like I don't take I don't have credit cards I don't you know want credit cards the only thing I occasionally will do is like if we if we're gonna buy um, I don't know large like if we're gonna buy a new refrigerator or something like that we might put it on a credit card with the no interest and then pay it back in large chunks over six months or something like that just because that's a lot more palatable to me for some reason than paying a thousand dollars right up front but I don't know yeah no I get you this is turning into a weird episode man how do you um, feel about the stock market now? <laughs> you, you got me there. I don't I don't have any money in it, so I don't really care. Yes. Other than the fact that our economy does seem to be on the rebound. Mm-hmm. Um, at least given the current state of the real estate market anyway. Yeah. That's the nice thing about rock bottom is you can kind of only go up. Yeah. Did we hit rock bottom, you think? Well, not quite. I mean, it's not like we were, you know, depression levels, but we... we you know, certainly got pretty close. I, I would say, I'd say this is probably one of the rougher decades for America, at you, least in the nineteen hundreds, early two thousands. You you can cut this out if you want, but it's incredibly funny. One of my Facebook friends earlier today posted a meme with Obama on it, and it actually said that if the next president we elect is white, then America will have disproven the America will have gone black and then gone back. <laughs> Oh, that'd be hilarious. Um, Which is almost an inevitability. Do we even know? Like, there's there's no black candidates running, are there? No. I mean, we have a woman um, with... Uh, yeah, we got Hillary running. Hillary. And then we got the... Uh, and this is, this is another thing that I heard the other day that was really funny, too. Bernie Sanders um, is is one of the, the third party candidates. He's in fact he's like the third party candidate that yeah, I think is getting the most traction. One of the only ones that I I'm really aware of as being a front runner aside from Hillary. And uh, apparently um I there was another commentary that I read somewhere on the internet because I love it so much mm-hmm. that that's all I do is read it. Um one dude said that he was told that he wasn't gonna vote a socialist Jew into office because this was America. And and his reply was, you celebrate a socialist Jew every 25th of December. <laughs> so what's the difference? Oh, see, that's that, that's good because here's another sort of problem I have with, uh, you know, if you just want to talk about America in general, like the um, really far, I don't want to say right wing because I'm sure there are conservatives for whom this is not true, but Christians that do not understand like the do do you really realize who Jesus was do you, did you pay when he was like teaching shit and and that was in the bible did did you read any of it like yeah when you're voting against you know healthcare initiatives and stuff like that or yeah that, um i'm not a christian um and uh neither but it, it's, it's just, just a, it, i mean it's one of those things that like if you actually read any parts of the Bible that, that refer to Jesus and, and his actions on planet Earth. If Jesus owned a bakery, he'd have sold him the cake. Yeah. And if you're in Oregon, that's relevant. If you're not, you may, maybe, maybe you do. That, that one even took me a second, but yeah, no, I'm there. Um, you know, with the, with the whole refusal of service because it was, it was you know, for a, a lesbian couple. It just boggles my mind how many people do things quote unquote in the name of Christ 
that are just such dick moves. Right? You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, no, that that I totally get. Like, that. that's a funny sort of, uh, um, I guess, dichotomy. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real, real passive atheist when it comes to things like that. Because if you are religious... By all means, man, that's that's your that's your thing. And if it gets you through the day, do it. You know, that's 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 kind of my philosophy on it is is if it if it really and truly is something that helps you be a better person and gets you from one day to the next and that's what you need to do it, that's cool with me. I don't need it, never have. Um but I don't look down on people who do. So Yeah, I guess for me the the overlying guideline is uh Wheaton's law, you know, don't be a dick. Yeah. Which when when we're talking about systems of government and things like that, that basically means don't make laws about shit that has no effect on you. And I'm talking like no effect, like literally no effect. Like we 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 talked about this probably outside of the podcast, but a gay marriage, for example. Here's the quintessential example. Gay marriage. I'm sorry if you're really conservative and you're thinking, oh my gosh, the gays are going to get married and then dogs are going to marry cats and cats are going to marry people and whatever you're you're just off you're off the deep end like you, you've gone too far like that's not how it works like uh somebody does does a bit about this um stand up and i'm sure it's been done over and over again now but uh they're talking about how like the gays are going to get gay married and then they're just going to run you know randomly st- start ass raping everybody because that's what's going to happen you know like that's the that's the the uh future that we fear is that the will allow gay marriage and then everybody suddenly has to have uh, mandatory butt sex all the time. That's not how it works. The gays are going to get married and it's going to do fuck all to you. Like, there's no sudden, like, in you know, disparity to your income or something like that. You don't suddenly, um, you're not allowed to not get married yourself now or something like that. Like, it has literally no effect. Yeah, it seems to be they always, they always, always, always jump on the slippery slope if two dudes can get married then what's going to stop a dude from marrying a little little kid you know with the whole like they just jump straight from homosexuality to pedophilia which are two completely unrelated things see one, and that's another like one is a mental disorder and the other one is just perfectly natural and like they don't ever stop to realize that it's never gonna like pedophilia is never gonna be legal because there's a victim involved See, but that's that is the crux of the thing. Like, you know why that doesn't work in my utopian society? Because that clearly does negatively affect a person. Like, yeah. Like, and they don't they don't stop to think about that. They're just like, well, they push this law through. They're gonna push that law through too. No, no, we're not. And yeah. It's ridiculous if you think we are. And it, it's it's the worst. Ar- like it it actually takes away from any argument you might make because it's so absurd. Like. Yeah. I just. Like, we're so archaic sometimes. Like, for all the advancements we've made technologically, socially we've made zero. You know what I mean? Like, we still, we still battle racism on almost a daily basis. Yeah. Sexism, you know, homophobia, everything else. You know, I'm going to, from a purely scientific standpoint, I'm going to point out to people right now and whatever. If you never listen to the show again, at least listen to this, this part of it. Homosexuality occurs in nature in almost every other species, and in large part, it occurs when the population becomes unsustainable in numbers. So, read into that what you will. 
and you can make all the comments you want about how you know we're just gonna kill off the human race because all of a sudden gay marriage is legal. Well, not everybody's gay. So a, you're wrong right there. B, if we do have a higher rate of homosexuality than we ever have, it's probably because we're more densely populated than we ever have been, and the planet can't fucking sustain us. See, I, I don't want to get too far into this because uh, I, I don't think I could cite any sources, but like my you know thought about that is um, it, I, I don't know. It just first off, okay, here's what it was. Um, so here's the thing about evolution, which again, a lot of the type of people that uh, um, would have a problem with you know anybody saying that homosexuality is okay are the type of people that probably don't believe in evolution. You know, like, for sudden, suddenly, evolution is something you can believe in. Like, when you talk about socially backwards or something like that, this is one of the things that I immediately picture, is that, like, in most countries, especially in most first world countries, like, there is no debate about evolution, because that's like debating gravity. Gravity exists. You drop shit, it falls down. Like, gravity is not something you debate, and in the same way for most people, evolution is not something you, you debate. Like, it is a thing accept right. it because it, it, there's a humongous body of evidence that supports it and as much as you want to make up your own world in reality you can't um, so anyway the, the thing though about evolution the thing that's great about evolution is that we're not going to evolve to a point where we um, make ourselves a sting, extinct you know over something like homosexuality so here's where I don't want to go too far because I think that it uh, makes some logical sense that homosexuality might be a response to overpopulation or something like that um, and that's been you know sort of my pet layman theory for a while but I don't know the science behind that at all and you know how that how you know correcting that would be um, part of it I think is that rates of homosexuality have always been higher or in line with today but it's never been as socially acceptable and so if you were homosexual say 50 years ago you would just hide it or you know you'd end up like Alan Turing and kill yourself in spite right. of the fact that you were a genius, you know. Um, so I'm not sure, like, it's it's hard, you know, from a scientific standpoint because it would be probably very hard to prove any sort of rates of sexuality historic uh, historically and be, I mean, you know, we just haven't had a long enough uh, time scale, not enough sample size to really make any conclusive or conclusions. But, it, again, it just goes back to who fucking cares? Like, um you know, the overriding, overriding guideline for me is who fucking cares? Like, obviously I'm not gay. I have no plans to be gay in the next, you know, ever. But, uh, why the fuck should I care that somebody else is? Like, it's not like they're in, in any way affecting me, you know? So, um, and that's sort of my, you know, basis for reality. Like, honestly, same-sex marriage, if it does anything, it helps our economy because you get more, um, Weddings are expensive, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like, it helps local economies and it helps, you know, national economies when you're talking about, you know, honeymooning in different locations. You know, it just... Marriages cost money. Weddings cost money. This, Marriages don't really cost them that much money, but this the is, wedding does. This is just another thing that, like... God, this is going to sound incredibly snobby and, and um, dismissive almost, but... I have a hard time understanding other people's worldviews when you try to, uh, um, I guess, belittle a portion of the population. You know, like, 
uh, we've been talking a lot about gay marriage, but you know, another big one, you know, is women. You know, like people, um, one of my favorite podcasts did this, and, and actually, quite honestly, I found the discussion mostly terrible and a little bit patronizing, but one of the things somebody pointed out on the episode, sorry guys if you're listening to this, was uh, women are not minorities. Like, we still treat them a little bit like minorities as a society, but women are clearly not minorities. In fact, if anything, they're the majority. I think there's more women statistically than there are men. And yet we're still true. we're still so backwards in how... Uh, um, Society as a whole deals with a lot of those issues. Of course, that's not exclusively true either. You know, like it's not fair to, I guess, simplify that because it could, depends. All right, so should we talk about SG One? Yes, we should. Okay, so um, I'm still <laughs> watching SG One. Uh, I've actually finished the first season, and uh, I still like the show as much. Uh, um, and all the things still apply. It, it's still pretty awesome. Still pretty rewatchable. Um, one of the fun things for me has been. Um, Maybe the nostalgia factor going back again. Um, because as many of these as I've seen, like they're all immediately reviewable. And I remember them all very, very well. So, uh, Episode after Hathor. Singularity. Singularity. Okay, so the next episode I watched was Singularity. And uh, to me, this is one of the more forgettable episodes. Essentially, they turn a child into a bomb. Um, which the Gawu will do, not not the SG One crew. Yeah, that would have been an interesting episode for sure. <laughs> um, uh, it's a decent episode. You get some touchy feely stuff, but overall, I found it kind of boring. And so let's Captain Carter. There's a lot of Captain Carter emotional. There, there is, and actually, that's pretty solid. Um, that's probably the saving grace for the episode for me because the rest of the plot is nah. Um, to me, what I took out of that episode was, I mean, it was a good episode overall. Not really that necessary to the overall continuity of things. Yeah. Um, though they do reference it occasionally in future episodes. And, uh, spoiler alert, the little girl lives. And that's kind of the part that almost bothers me the most about it is because the, whatever they did to her to make her into the living bomb that she was apparently had a time limit. And it's no, no longer it was, a it wasn't a time limit. It was a radius. So I think they some BS like Naquita infusion inside of it. Right, her, right, right. Um, but it was somehow related to the gate. So once they got her far enough away from the gate, she was fine. Yeah, but then it only like she's she's. Let's just put it this way: she makes appearances later on in the show, and I think she's within proximity to the gate again and it doesn't seem to be an issue anymore so yeah i'll have to go back and watch it i can't remember if that's like silly writing or what but yeah anyway spent too long on this episode already the next one was cora um cora i actually really liked um so this one finds teal uh ending up on a planet where he uh was totally the bad guy before which you know teal being the first prime apophis kind of um, was a bad guy kind of was a bad guy um, so they kind of give Teal'c a mock trial, and when I say trial, I don't really mean trial. They use a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo in there to kind of explain um, a little bit how it works, but it's not really a trial. Um, the judge, jury, and executioner in this case is the offended um, in this, so he's clearly seeking revenge and retribution. Yeah, basically he was the surviving family member of the dude that Teal'c had killed when he was there several years ago. Um Although you do find out through the course of the show that he did so for altruistic reasons because they, the the native peoples had a series of escape tunnels and they used that to hide from the Gaul, but they wouldn't leave if there was members of the 
village that were too crippled to run or whatever. And yeah, they would. They were, Tilk essentially they, killed the dude because he was one of the ones that would have held them up in the event that they had to escape. Yeah, it was essentially like a no man left behind clause, except for that no man in this case only had one leg. Um, so a solid episode. I really like this one. Um, just like the episode previous had a lot of Car- Carter character building. This one it was all about Tilk and. I really liked it. It gives you an, a, a little bit of a taste of the guilt that somebody like Teal'c might have felt, um, you know, knowing that what he's doing is wrong, uh, but not really feeling like he has any choice about it. So, um, kind of a nice callback, um, though very, uh, um, actually, I wouldn't say callback, but it kind of hints towards, you know, why might he decide the way he did in episode one, aside from, you know, silly plot reasons. Um this gives that backstory that gives you the motivation for why he de- might have done that. So I, I think one of the things that I liked about that episode in particular was that we've seen Tilk as far as being first prime, and the only other first prime we've really met is Braytac at this point. Yeah, and they're both solidly against Apophis and don't believe that the Gold are gods. Yeah, and so we don't really get a good idea of what a first prime was until we see what Tilk used to be. Yeah, don't don't. Um kind of felt like watching that like we were watching um you know a couple of atheist pastures or something like that which is almost essentially exactly what they are um which is totally totally interesting to to watch and um again th- this is a great character building episode for teal and it kind of shows you the the torture that he went through so I, I this episode's pretty good the acting in this is pretty meh the storyline and plot aren't great but um I, I like how they build that character out. So, the the dude that plays the accuser in the situation is kind of, kind of shit for acting. Yeah, he's, he's kind of the worst of the whole. There's a reason I think that you've never seen him in anything else yet. Right. So what do we got next? Next is Enigma. Um, so Enigma is our first meeting with the Tolan race. Uh, the Tolans are far more technologically advanced, and the way that we meet them is that the SG One team shows up on a hugely volcanically active planet um, and the Tolans are essentially lying there almost dead on the ground um, also if you've not seen the episode the Tolans are uh, humans you know just advanced humans um, so this episode is not bad it sort of serves as um, um, backstory for future episodes to come um, but it's sort of an interesting premise which is um, humans clearly not being, as in Earth Terran humans, not being the most advanced race. Um, we found another race that are, are far ahead of us, actually, um, and how that kind of thing plays out. Um, is this this is the one where they have the device that lets them walk through walls and such, right? Yeah, yeah. This is is this also the first meeting of Mayborn? Do we meet Mayborn for the first time? I don't know if this is the first meeting of Mayborn. I think we... Well, yeah, it might be. Because I think it's sort of like whoever the guy before him was, and then Mayborn... You're like, that guy was a dick, and then Mayborn comes along, and you're like, oh, no, never mind. That guy is the king of all... Colonel Mayborn is a big dick, and he is a recurring character throughout the series. And actually, he's he's a good foil for SG-1, I think. Um, Yeah. Uh, so that being said, um, I like I like his his character just for that reason. And check out this episode if you want to see Mayborn at kind of his slimiest. Yeah, not really. It, he gets slimier. <laughs> not really, but it is a good introduction to Mayborn because like we have clear human rights issues, and Mayborn's like just a complete asshole about it. So, um, 
pretty solid episode overall. We also get some good interaction with Carter, um, actually serving as a love interest, sort of, for one of the Tolans. That was kind of an interesting sub, sub um, side storyline there. So Poor Carter, always the bridesmaid. Yeah. Poor gal. <laughs> um, Solitudes. Solitudes is actually one of my favorite episodes of the series. This one finds the SG team separated, so they both... Um, Starts out with cold open. Everybody's coming through the gate, except for only half the team makes it. Um, Teal and Daniel land through the gate just fine. Yeah. No sign of Carter and O'Neill, however. You you do find Carter and O'Neill, though, on an icy wasteland of a planet. And O'Neill has a broken leg, is it? Yeah, he's yeah. pretty effed up. Like, this one I don't want to give away. Um, this is a fun episode. Go watch it. Um, there's a lot of good interaction between uh, O'Neill and Carter and um, some other lore that will come up in the Stargate uh, uh, SG-1 timelines later on. So. Yeah, this, this episode is actually incredibly important It when you get to later seasons um, for reasons which I guess Eddie doesn't want to give any spoilers for this one, so I guess we won't. But Yeah, I like this episode a lot. and I, um, it, it really is one of the truly good... I don't want to say cliffhanger, because it's not a cliffhanger, but it's... Um, Almost an M. Night Shyamalan ending. Like, you don't... Yeah, there's a little bit of a twist it's, to it's it. It's a swerve. It's a swerve, I would say, in, in professional wrestling terms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, go, go check it out, because it, it honestly is one of the better episodes of season one. Uh, next up after that is Tin Man. Um, Tin Man finds the SG team um, arriving on a planet, being sent back home um, after some interaction with a seemingly crazy guy on that planet. Oh, Jesus, this episode. Okay. Um, and then basically finding out they're robots. Yeah, so they... Overall... It, here's the thing. What we think happened through most of the episode, and I will spoil this one. Yeah, that's um, fine. Because this is largely a forgettable episode. Sucks, episode but yeah. um, what we think happened through most of the episode is that their consciousnesses were... Consciousnesses? I don't... Consciousness? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. We think that they basically have had their brains swapped into these robot bodies um, at the end of the episode you find out that's actually not the case the original team is actually sedated and these are complete replicas of the SG-1 team uh, right down to the personality um, obviously because we don't deal with uh, inhumane things the robots are technically allowed to live too at the end of the episode they can't really leave the planet anyway because once they get too far away from it for too long their batteries die yeah uh this is one of the most boring episodes i think with or i wouldn't say boring but it's kind of a throwaway episode and good um, concept not well executed that's what i would say that's i totally agreed um there, there was a lot more i think they could have done with the idea of you know what do we do now that there's a complete copy and then we're essentially the same person um, in, the, in the end, I think the episode, would, you know, the part that makes it a throwaway for me is they kind of just like, well, fuck it, we're fine. SG-1 heads back home and then we forget about it. If you really want to watch an episode of a TV series titled Ten Man, watch the Star Trek The Next Generation episode Ten Man because it's actually better. Oh, totally. <laughs> I immediately know what you said, uh, um, even yeah. though I haven't watched that series for quite a while because, but yeah, that's and a That's actually episode. a callback to Star Trek For the Voyage Home. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, followed up by there, but for the grace of God, um, 
Ooh, which one is this? This is the mirror episode. Oh, the mirror episode. Okay, okay, so I was wrong. We were talking about this before. We were talking about the timelines. Um, Singularity is kind of the first inkling that you have that yeah. Carter and, and O'Neill may be a little bit more than just Carter and O'Neill. Yeah. So, There But For The Grace Of God deals with um, uh, alternate realities, essentially. Daniel goes to a planet, finds a device um, in the shape of a mirror that actually is a sort of a gateway into alternate realities. This actually is a fairly interesting episode and sets up sort of the rest of the season, um, which there are only two more episodes, and one of them is only really worth watching. Um, I disagree, but I'll get into that. Yeah, well, maybe a little bit for the other one, just because there's a reoccurring character that shows up. Even though, anyway, we'll get there in a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, episode overall is pretty good. Um, I like this concept, and I'm glad that they came back to it a little bit because the alternate reality sort of opens a whole bunch of other interesting sci-fi doors. So the uh, the idea that this mirror represents a passage into basically every different timeline, like. Uh, if if you follow quantum physics and string theory and all that kind of thing um, to any any extent, which I barely do, any um, sort of quasi sci fi nerd has heard this similar plot. Yeah. But basically, what it is 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 there's a for every action that we take in our universe, there could be a different action, and each one of those actions can lead you to a parallel universe where that action was taken. Um, yeah. So without getting too sci-fi about it, it it really is a really cool kind of look at what the SG-1 team could have to deal with under different circumstances. Yeah. This comes back heavily, I think, in the last part of the season. Uh, Okay, so second to the last before the season finale. um, Oh, the warning. Hold on. There's there's a warning. In there before the grace of the God. Yes. Sorry. Um, So Daniel Jackson encounters an alternate SG-1 that is under siege by Apophis. Um, From the information that he gathers while he's there, when he comes back, he warns the rest of the SG-1 team that Apophis is probably coming for Earth because it's happened in these other different realities and stuff. And they kind of dismiss it at first because they're like, well, we don't know that that's the case. Um, they kind of act like he's crazy. They do. They a act like bit, he's a little like, bit crazy. Like, yeah, you're, you're bonkers. Like, um, never but, mind that we've seen all this crazy shit happen in the last you know 18 episodes. There's no way that could happen. Yeah. yeah, but then it comes into play in the next episode, which is politics. Politics is largely a recap. This, honestly, is a filler episode. There's a couple of things that are a little bit interesting. They introduce a new character, which is Senator... What's his file? Kenzie. Senator Kinsey. I wanted to say Kinsey, but I wasn't sure if that was the right one. Played by... That guy. Um, What's his name? He's been in a lot of stuff. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. um, If you're a Star uh, Star Trek Next Generation fan, Ronnie Cox was also, I believe, an admiral um, that was a recurring character a couple times during that series, too. Does a phenomenal job playing the senator who just absolutely is balls-to-the-wall Murica... Um, and believes that it doesn't matter what what Apophis sends toward Earth, the United States military, Air Force particularly, can handle it. Yeah. Um, Kinsey, I think, ends up being a foil in later episodes, too, similarly along the lines of Mayborn. Um, He's sort of like like a... Watching it now, this one's a little hard because it's like a you're almost too stupid to function episode. Like, this guy clearly doesn't get it. Um, and 
watching it plot wise, it's a little hard because his point really doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. Like it's not a rational position to take in any sort of reality. So basically, the episode takes place around the conference room table that they sit at for debriefing, and he's basically got all the mission reports in front of him. It's a clip episode, and and yeah, we see clips from the different episodes um, that are relevant to whatever mission file he has in front of him. Yeah. Um, and Eddie's right. He's he's patriotic to his detriment in this episode because he really is delusional enough to believe that our standard American weaponry <laughs> can hold its own against uh, intergalactic Outer space, intergalactic technology. Like yeah. that we've already decided is fairly superior. Yeah, there's a reason that we're actually going through the gate regularly at this point, and that is specifically. To acquire ways to defend ourselves against these crazy golds. Yeah, we've, we've sort of already acknowledged their superiority, and then two episodes later, like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. Um, never mind the whole real world aspect of, okay, so these are intergalactic beings that which have enslaved, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of worlds. Um, but we're fine, we're cool. No, no big. Yeah. Um, so it's a clip episode, it's largely to set up for the season finale, um, which is the next episode, season finale in the Serpent's Grasp. Um, season finale finds us actually following Daniel's advice, uh, taking the hints towards the coordinates uh, we find out about in the earlier episodes, and um, basically infiltrating a gold um, mothership. So, to set this up, we kind of have to set the stage here from the previous episodes. So, Senator Kinsey is actually pretty successful in getting the Stargate program shut down based on his idea that it's it's caused us more trouble than it's worth, and he's gotten the president to sign off on suspending gate activity with the exception of any off-world team is allowed to come home at this point. Right. But nobody's allowed to go back through. So, um, so when this episode picks up, we're essentially, we're, we're dead in the water. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Um, until the core SG one team decides, fuck it. We're going to go to Daniel's coordinates. We're going to go through the gate. Right. To see what, what, what's up with it. And they end up on the mothership. Um, which, is pretty cool because we didn't know that you could gate to an actual space vessel at that point yeah. um, because of, of how the gates work. Um, but this gate, and, and if it had been in transit through, you know, hyperspace or whatever, they, they wouldn't have been able to do this, but it, it was actually centered around a planet. So they were able to gate to the coordinates and, uh, and get to this mothership. Yeah. It's interesting because this is one episode or aspect of where um, the Stargate rules, like, you know, it, Stargate has its own internal logic for how space, time, and physics and shit like that works, um, which is you know very, very, very roughly based on how real world physics and space, time, and shit like that works. Um, and they're fairly consistent with their own, but you know this is an example of it doesn't actually really make a lot of sense. Like, no. Um, so in, anyway, episode overall is not bad. We get to see um, earlier episode uh, one of the things that started off in the beginning of the season was. They lost Skara, their friend from Abydos, um, and they lost uh, Share, Daniel's wife. Um, so we see Skara return here, although not as you might expect him. Um, and the team has to deal with being in the middle of the enemy's, you know, stronghold, essentially. Um, one thing I will say, slight criticism on the rewatch, was that it seemed a little too easy. Uh, um, there was when I, I remember watching this episode and feeling a lot more edge of my seat. Like, will they? Won't they? Is it going to work out or not? Rewatching it, 
and perhaps this is because I already knew the outcome rewatching it, but rewatching it, the stakes just didn't feel like they were there nearly as much. So yeah, I think that probably is going to be the case anytime you already kind of know the outcome. Yeah, anyway, but well, I think part of it also is sort of a symptom of its time. I mean, the episode this is like a 1998 episode, and so some of that I think is there too. And we don't we don't see the end of this actually during this episode that's because true. this is a cliffhanger. Which, um, though I did finish the next few, I think that's where we'll leave off for right now. Yeah, let's so. let's let's start up next week uh, with season two. Yeah, and um, go from there. Um, I actually was watching this or rewatching it originally, um, and then I happened to be actually watching it when Eddie came over to do a podcast one night. Um, I haven't made it too much further since then because he's since kind of gone in and and wanted to catch up too. So. Um, I kind of suspended my rewatch to the point where we're about caught up then, and then I think... Um, cool. So I'm, I'm midway through season three, though, so I got a ways until, until you're caught up. All right. Well, um, in fact, it's I only, it's only one in the morning. I guess I'll go just watch like eight more episodes. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah. Um, so that's it as far as the Stargate uh, recap. And, man, I think probably this is probably a good time to stop. Yeah. Um, we've rambled... And got into some things that we probably didn't need to go in on the podcast, which you guys won't ever hear because we'll cut it. Probably. We'll see. Um, the only thing is, is I want to I want to kind of set up next week a little bit. Next week, I want to talk about some things that I think, um, being as we are a pop culture-centered podcast, that we probably need to address a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Smith and and his, his, his works, um, what you know, past projects that we've liked and uh, some things that he's got coming out the pipe um, later on, like Clerks 3 and the sequel to Mallrats, which I think is titled Mallbrats, which I... Yeah. The, the title's kind of meh, but I'm excited that they're doing it. Um, also, I watched Red State recently, which I had never seen before. Yeah? And, uh... I've heard relatively positive things about it, but I haven't seen it. Dude, it's on, it's on Netflix, so you should go check, check it out. out. Um... I was relatively surprised. Um, I didn't actually even know what it was about. Uh-huh. Do you know what it's about? Not a clue. A uh, fundamentalist preacher, um, actually a fundamentalist church group, um, specifically as well as, um, I believe, the ATF. I don't think it's the FBI. I think it's the ATF that, that gets involved. Um, really interesting movie. Um, definitely not a viewisk universe Movie. I mean, Jay and Silent Bob. That 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 part I did hear. I did yeah. definitely hear. This is not the, the that that universe. No, this is this is this is a. Um, I wouldn't classify it as a horror film, um, but I would definitely classify it as a suspense drama, thriller type thriller type cool. type movie. Yeah, um, obviously a lot different than anything that we've seen from Kevin Smith. Uh, previously, everything that he's done up to this point has been relatively based in comedy. Um, yeah. Even if Jersey Girl wasn't meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was a little bit. Yeah. It was. It was. It totally had good moments in it. And I didn't hate that movie either. But we'll talk about that next week. All right. So, um, also, I hope to have a little bit more um, information as far as the DC Convergence um, thing because convergence technically as of the recording of this is over I'm currently a little over halfway through that's interesting so, I, I still you know I haven't started convergence at all so I'm gonna have to get caught up on that because that's 
probably one of the bigger events in DC for... I'm going to make my recommendation right now. If you are going to read it, read the eight core books. Nine, I guess, because it's zero through eight. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones are just one-off stories that are two issues apiece. And okay. they take place on different parallel universes. Gotcha. You know, parallel Gothams and, and Metropolises and such. Um, if you want to read those, pick through and read the ones you want to read. I'm reading them all, and there's definitely... I mean, none of them are required to actually get the gist of conversions. Okay. Uh, but some of them are, are, are kind of cool. So, and then after that, I'm going to dive into Secret Wars. So. Awesome. From Marvel. All right, everybody. That's whatever show for this week. Um, don't forget, tweet us at whatever show. Uh, check out our Facebook. Yeah. Facebook, uh, whatever show, um, facebook.com slash whatever show, excuse me. And you can always email your questions, questions at whatever.co, um, or whatever other feedback you'd like to give. Um, also write us on iTunes. We're on iTunes too. So give us a review, even if it's shitty. Yeah. Well, maybe not if it's shitty. Well, it'll be funny. Go for it. Yeah. You might get your name in lights. Yeah. Or at least on the podcast. The, the, the squeaky wheel does get the grease as they say. Right on. All right. See you next week.